Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Welcome again to another edition of Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast of the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. And I'm your host this morning, Tim Patterson, the Executive Director. And today we have a wonderful guest with us, Travis Whitaker. He is the pastor of Miles City Church right here in the um, Detroit Metroplex area and is doing a great and masterful job. Uh, Travis, thank you for joining us today, my friend. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks for having me, Pastor Tim. You're, I appreciate you. Hey, listen, uh, just a couple of things. I want people to get to know you a little better, understand a little more about you and who you are. Uh, Travis, uh, I hear you're married to some some girl. She's just a wonderful girl. I've seen her around. Who is that? Yeah, that's uh, my wife, Jen. Uh, you know, I picked her up in the show choir when I was 16. So, <laughs> you know, she saw my sequin vest and she just didn't know what to do. See, she oh, yeah, we know that. <laughs> she is a sweetheart. Folks, if you don't know, Jen, uh, she's just a wonderful, wonderful lady uh, and uh, the perfect pastor's wife. Uh, and you have, uh, and she's a wonderful mother as well. Well, how many children do you have now? We got four kids from... Uh, age 11 through four so it's a zoo right we got a zoo going on right now but, uh, but it's fun they're they're a joy yeah uh, the, having kids and the ministry is always a, a fun thing but a challenge as well and how how do they do with all of the the craziness in your life i mean you you don't have not you don't have just a small church you have a very a large church but also a very uh, broad and spreading church. How is, how do you kids handle all of the activity and the things going on in your life? You know, it's just part of the, the DNA of our family, you know, and I, I'll never forget, uh, when we started mile city, um, at first I didn't, you know, realize I was like, okay, we're going to start a church. And, and then we, we started it and, uh, a couple walked out and said, oh my goodness, look at the PKs. And I said, what'd you just call my kids? And I like, it hit me. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got PKs. And I heard all the stories of PKs. And so, I, you know, we, we just, you know, we don't force it down their throat, but they know that this is what we do and trying to see our kids make it their own. And just to celebrate my, my, my oldest, uh, I, it's not that I avoid it. Like, of course I talk about their faith, but with baptism and stuff. Like I never want to be like, you should get baptized. You should get baptized. I want him to make it on his own. And so this year he, uh, at our first ever summer camp, he, uh, he stood up on his own and made the commitment to go public with his faith. And so it's just awesome just to see him like, you know, you just have to keep trying to show them the way and to not overdo it. And to see them make it their own was just such an exciting thing for Jen and I. Well, speaking of preacher's kids and growing up in ministry, so forth, give us a little bit of a history of your spiritual life. I, I know that your grandfather was a pastor and had quite an impact on your life and uh, spiritually and in so many other ways. Tell us a little bit about uh, your spiritual history and your background. Yeah, so my great-grandfather, um, 
he planted a church in the 40s, Fundamental Baptist Church in Brightmoor, Detroit, on Burt Road and Schoolcraft. The, the building's still standing. And um, so he just had many faithful years here in the in the in the city. And I was just a little kid. I, I I didn't get to know him that well, but I would hear stories all the time of people that, you know, that it's kind of crazy that come to 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 Miles City now. Um and they would just say, you know, your, you know, your great grandpa was a, he, he was kind of like a really bad communicator. <laughs> he was like, he put you to sleep, uh, but he had a way with people and he taught his leaders how to love well. And that's what made the church a faithful, thriving church was just the humility and faithfulness of his, you know, shepherding heart. And um, part of my story is, is I, I have a, um, you'll hear it from time to time, a, a stuttering stammer. And so I, I ran from wanting to, to be a lead, a lead pastor for, for many years, because I wanted someone else to speak. And uh, so because of my papa story and Moses, uh, God pushed me over the edge and said, if I can use your papa, I can use you. So go. That is awesome. Awesome. We'll tell you a little bit about your background and call to ministry. You, you haven't, as you said, always been a pastor or called to be a pastor. When did that really become a realization to you? And did you do anything else before that or try to do anything else before that? And then sub subsequently what happened? Yeah. So I, um, I have always had a heart for music. And so I, um, after I finished, um, my undergrad, I went to Liberty university there and then I went into seminary too, not expecting to be a pastor. I just said, well, if I'm going to do the music thing, I probably should really understand uh, theology better. And so I went in that direction. And then my band took off and I just started playing a lot of music around. And um, and then God, I just, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to kind of sing for him. And then I was playing on the other side of the world. I was of all places in Seoul, South Korea. And I was playing this venue and God just hit me upside the head that um, I was doing a really bad job of discipleship. <laughs> I was a great evangelist, and, uh, but I just wasn't being, I, I wanted, I had this heart to see people through, you know, and I, obviously Jesus modeled that to us so much. Yes, you have to deal with crowds, but more importantly, right. He was training his 12. And so I just, um, he shifted that, that calling and that purpose and that desire in my heart, um, which was kind of a painful switch, but it was, it was what I, what is what I needed. He was preparing me for this. And, um, it's been a fun journey. Well, that's, it's, it's unique to see how God calls and uses and brings us through different phases of our lives to get us to the place where we're prepared and ready to do his work. And, uh, I'm always fascinated with the, the life history of pastors and where they've come from and the processes and, and the people that have in, impacted their lives, like your, your papa and, and all of the others and the music and, and how God speaks to us. And then he tells you to go and start a church, plant a church. I see most of us would think, well, I'll go to a church that's already going, you know, and, and pastor those people and help them, you know, 
but you came and started a church. Tell me a little bit about the, the genesis of that and, and what took place to get you to planting a church. Cause to me, as you know, that's a pretty scary thing. Yeah. So I, I helped when I got off the road playing music, I, I said, okay, God, I'll serve your, your church. And naturally that led to being a music pastor. And so I helped start a church in Columbus, Ohio for all of our Michiganders. Just remember Buckeye knew Jesus too. Um, and so had that experience and learned a ton. And, you know, when you're in a church plant, you wear so many different hats, you know, in the beginning. So I was doing groups, I was doing students, music. I mean, I got to learn a lot of it. And then um, we grew from that position and really felt, you know, we needed to come back home. So we went back to, to Detroit and that's when God just started to, I started asking that, you know, he just started to stir in me if, if I was supposed to do more than, than just the music. And so that really scared me. And so then I took a leadership residency at another church to explore more. And they're a multi-site church and they wanted to do campusing and really wanted me to plant one of their campuses. But then um, that pastor said, you know, as I've gotten to know you, you're a songwriter, but it's not just for writing songs. You need to write your own song. Like you need to take the reins. And he saw that number one role in me instead of being a number two or whatever. And um, so then we just, we went and <laughs> said, okay, here we go. We're going to go for it. But like I said earlier, there was just that fear too of my insecurity. You know, every pastor of Duranis has a bunch sure, of absolutely. insecurity. Um, but yeah, like I just, I always felt like he had the wrong guy and, uh, I had a great friend of mine. Um, he runs an association in Ohio, a Baptist association. His name is Rich Halcom. And he just asked me some really poignant questions to help me discover, like, I was running from, you know, my, my calling and how God was designing me to be a, a leader. And, you know, either you got to, if you're supposed to be the lead pastor, you either are going to take over a church, right. Or start one. And it just seemed like, because I was from this town, from this city, and I started to hear all the stats of the, the rise in population and the decline in church attendance. And I didn't see any available positions. And I'm like, we got to, something needs to change. And so that's when Jen and I said, all right, let's take the risk and start a church. And <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, it, it ha it's been fun to watch. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, uh, Travis. I was a music major as well and did music ministry, and I liked that position. I loved what I was doing, and I was this second, you know, number two guy, and I was comfortable in that and did that for 12 years mm -hmm. and uh, did all the other little jobs that went with it until God says, no, I want you to be out here doing this and and he pushed me out and I, I started pastoring being the lead pastor. So been down this road, I understand. And many of our, our young men go through that as they begin, there's opportunities to serve in, 
in what we call secondary roles or music or support roles and so forth. And then God develops them using all of those experiences there to prepare you to do what you do. Now, the thing you did is you planted a church. Now, you know, I remember you telling me one day you had a conversation, kind of a almost a serendipitous conversation that with a fellow named uh, uh, Kevin Ezell. Uh, you happened to have a conversation with him one day, met him. I'm not sure. I think it was a restaurant or outside of a restaurant or something of that nature and, uh, started a conversation about planting a church. Can you tell me any more about that and how that fits into your story? Yeah. So when we decided to plant, we were, we had a, like one of our local sending churches that wasn't Southern Baptist and, you know, we just were like, we know we can't, we know we shouldn't do this uh, alone. And then, like I said, my friend, Rich Halcom was a, uh, in this, in the Ohio uh, Southern Baptist. And then it made us ask the question, well, what's going on in Michigan? And at that time, that was before your time, Tim. So, you know, things were kind of in turmoil. Yeah. They were kind of dicey. Yeah. Yeah, To say that they were a little dicey, a little, a little dicey. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that. So I kind of was like, oh, maybe this is not my cup of tea. I'm a Baptist at heart, but we'll just we'll just run here. And um, and then I went down to a conference in Atlanta that led to a meeting with some NAM directors that led to me going to the headquarters in Atlanta. I had no idea what was going on, no idea who Kevin was, which was probably a good thing. It was. And then, I, and then I ended up, it was right before their board meeting. They they took me in and introduced me to him. And he said, you're from Detroit. And I said, yeah. And he says, I've been praying for Detroit. I got a tiger's hat. We, we need to see God move in Detroit. And I said, well, if you really want to be reminded to pray for Detroit, whenever you see a mile sign, mile signs, you know, just it'll trigger you to pray for the mile city, for the motor city. So we just started to kind of talk about things and it was just, you know, then he, anyways, he ended up getting my phone number and um, it was funny because Rich was like, I was like, who, who was that guy? He seemed like he's got a lot of, you know, ideas and about church planting and Rich hit me upside the head. He's like, that's the president of NAM, you idiot. You know? <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, kind of laughed about it, but you know, then it was just really neat that and then, I mean, literally the next day he, he got a hold of me and just said, I don't think it's by accident that you stumbled into my boardroom before our meeting. And I've been praying for, you know, God to rise up different planters in Detroit specifically. And I just, I think you should really pray about being in our network. And from there, you know, I mean, Nam, you know, I always tell church planters, you know, it's so important to have a local sending church and your network, Nam, the Send Network, the SBC, is like the icing on the cake for support and brotherhood and sisterhood. And it's just so important. I can't imagine starting. I mean, it's like the Southern Baptist Association, Send Network, it's literally like it puts fuel on the fire that God's stirring inside of you in your church. And it helps you go further faster because you don't do it alone.
Hey, folks, we'll be back in just a minute uh, with our conversation with Travis Whitaker at Miles City. But, but before we get back, I want to talk a little bit about Send Network Michigan. You know, we have partnered together with our national organization, the uh, North American Mission Board and their SIN network. And we are as part of that SIN network here in Michigan. And there's many things that God has given us the opportunity to do in planting churches, helping strengthen churches, and just reach out beyond our four walls and get into the world that God has called us to reach. So if you want to know more about what it means to plant a church or to be part of planting a church and maybe supporting others that are planting churches, just contact us and say, hey, I want to know more about Send Network Michigan, and we'd love to tell you all about it. Tell me about the, uh, this passion, not only to plant Miles City Church, but to plant other churches out of Miles City. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, the idea of church planting is, you know, as it started to cultivate in our, in our hearts, we knew that when it comes to the city of Detroit, you know, there's so much need. And Miles City is just one expression, and we need many more. And I read a long time ago from J.D. Greer's book, Gaining by Losing, the idea of, you know, being more concerned about your sending capacity than your seating capacity. And right. of course, we all like a full house. Don't get sure. wrong, but I'm not going to try to belittle that. But, um, but, there, but, the, but the power in that of, um, of making that a priority Jen and I decided that we knew that if we started Miles City Church, that we wanted to be a sending church. And the things that our sending church did good for us, we were going to multiply by 10. And the things that they didn't do good for us, we were going to multiply by 100. And create an, a culture and an environment for church planters to come and feel supported get trained, do all that we can do, and then send them out with people and pennies. And the pennies is easy. It's the people that's the hardest. Sure. And, you know, it's, you know, I always say church planting is the most bittersweet thing I've, I've ever done. Like I, now I know the definition of bittersweet. Um, and I feel like, you know, Miles City is now, six years old and since we've launched we've since we've started all glory to god only by him we've launched six churches and and because of that i feel like i've launched Miles city church six different times because you feel like i mean we're not this massive church so we're you know you're you're like you're restarting every time that you plant too because you send your best and, um, but it's a joy because it, it, you know, you don't get bored. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not boring. No. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> like, you're, you gotta like, it's like, okay, let's round it up again. That, you know, that's, that's a wonderful story because I believe that's how it should work. Every pastor, if he really truly wants to reach his community needs to understand he will never do it 
by himself in his location. Never going to happen. There's just too many lost people. There's too much geography to cover and land to cover and space to cover. Uh, We need to spread out. And uh, as JD said, Greer, as you said, you know, it's not how much we have in the pew here. It's how many we send out and what our sending capacity, not our seating capacity, which is, which is a great term. And I've used that many times. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great tool. Uh, What have been some most difficult parts? I understand the part of letting go of the best. That is the hard thing to do. Those people you've loved, you've trained, you discipled that they've come alongside you. They've been a real support to you. What are some of the other difficult parts or things that you experience in planting churches? When we were like three years in, church planting on a regular basis, it's exciting, but it's exhausting. And not only for you as the leader, but also for your staff. Yes. But not only that, what I what I failed to realize is how exhausting. Like I, I think Miles City has went through a season of church planting fatigue to where people were leaving our church <laughs> because they couldn't take the change anymore. I would put up another church planter on the stage and people wouldn't like there would be like almost like oh no. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was like a level of probably a little too much happening, but I also had to step back and say, I'm not doing this. Like people ask me all the time, well, how do you get these planters? Cause you know, church being a church planting church is like the lingo that people like want to do. Right. And it's popular. It's the thing to say, well then, well, how do you get them? And people have asked me a lot, like, well, how, how are you getting these people? And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize it, but it's, I'm, I'm serious when I say this. God gives us a burden and a passion for an area or a people group, and we just begin praying and fasting and asking God and begging God to do something. Like when we launched Mile City, uh, in the first week after we launched it, I was in Novi, Michigan, 15,000 Japanese people. And there's not one Japanese-speaking pastor. That's unacceptable. And we just began praying for a Japanese pastor to come. And we just, and it literally was a four year journey of God right. putting puzzle pieces together. I didn't do anything just except for being available. And, and also like if I'd see anything or see any Japanese things, or I would just be proactive in my like leaning. Right. Um, and then God provided a Japanese church planner. I, 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 I only him. Only him. So you just have to like, like, it's not Travis or Miles City that's doing this. I mean, it's totally God. And it's just being open handed and saying, if you want us to help God, we will. That's what we're doing right now with a Hispanic church planner, begging God to give us a, a Hispanic planner that we can raise up. And we're just leaning in and waiting and seeing what God does. And so I think I went on a tangent, but the, the hardest part is the exhaustion, but also reminding our people that we're not even actually putting this together. Yeah. And I constantly remind them that, that this is only him. And yeah, if you want a church that's going to like be the same 
speaker every week and, you, and it's going to feel like the same people for the next 20 years, then yeah, you know what? Mile City is probably not your, 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 your place. It's going to be a constant shaping, a sharing. I always like to say this. We are a share, shape, send church. Absolutely. And you can't be ascending church if you're not shaping and discipling people because you have no one to send. And you can't be a shaping people if you're not sharing the gospel and going after the one. And it's just this cycle. And it's like, I like it. That's like a circular dial that sometimes is more heavy in one season and is another season. And you can't microwave it. Like, yes, we've planted a lot of churches. Are we going to plant another six in the next six years? I don't know. But we can't microwave it. You can't put a system to it. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes, there is a system, but it's, it's a sp- it's the spirit that's moving it. Yeah. Unless God does it, it's not going to be done. And, and I've seen a lot of guys try to plant churches and they, they plug in all these uh, rules and systems, as you said, and think, well, if I'll just do this, 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 and this, then God's going to provide this. Not necessarily. It has to be a God thing. He, you really truly have to depend on him to do that. Uh, there's some, I just see great things happening there at Miles city. I'm, I'm thrilled about the, the church planning, but there's some things that I, I love about the church itself where you are. Yes. The DNA has within it, uh, church planting, but I see some more things that are in the DNA of Miles city that I truly admire. One is I, I admired the, the attitude of, we want to do things very well. We don't want to do them poorly. We want to do them well. I'm not saying you have to be the very best or the most excellent of something, but you do things well, uh, everything from worship to your, uh, how you structure your worship service, your, and you connect with people, how you do your music, how your, uh, your media is done. Uh, a lot of that, that didn't just happen. I mean, you had to think through that. That had to be something that you determined. Tell me a little bit about that, if you can. I know I've I've, I've been broad in my, in my brush strokes there, but tell me a little bit about your um, why you do church the way you do and and how that came about. I, we we just really wanted to create an environment that, like the one, would be okay to want to come and explore and and actually want to come back. But when I say that, a lot of times it's pigeonholed as, you know, sometimes people from the surface can look at Miles City and be like, oh, that's just like a modern surface church. And I'm like, no, like you got to come give it a shot to like experience. It's half the time or more than half the time we're an expository teaching church. We give the gospel every Sunday. We don't sugarcoat like, you know, we talk about heaven. We talk about hell. We talk about sin every single week and, but yet still creating a space where if you are lost, we don't forget about them in the room, but we still give them the truth, the full truth, not the watered down truth. Your church created an atmosphere that's conducive for a lost person to come in and feel at ease enough to stay and listen. But I've noticed uh, just what you've said about your church you are uncompromising in the word and the gospel. And there are many churches I go into in our state. I hate to say it are not so. And you guys are as faithful to the word and preaching the word and teaching the word and living a godly Christian life of, as anyone I've ever seen. 
uh, a book that I'm I'm just picked up and and of reading. It just it's it's tr- really good. It kind of uh, goes along with what you're saying. It's called I Once Was Lost. It's by Don Evers and uh, Doug Shop, and uh, it's what postmodern skeptics taught us about their path to Jesus. You know, it, it's everybody was lost at one time, and we need not forget about what it was like to be lost and how you felt. And I, and I think you kind of built that into your DNA of your church. And I know that Sabrina and I, when we have an opportunity to come be with you, we're always blessed. We're always encouraged by the word. We're always encouraged by the, the spiritual depth of worship. We're always encouraged by the quality of uh, what is done there that you truly see and know that how you do worship and how you do church matters. It's not just something you just walk into and crank and keep going uh, just because that's what you're supposed to do. There's I would a tr- say, what I would say too, Tim, is that, you know, when, when you start a church, when you lead a church, you have your preferences of style. Sure. So you go into Miles city and yeah, my fingerprints are all over it. And it's the things that, I've liked and I've seen done well. And so we've tried to replicate it. But I will say now that I'm six years into this journey, I think the reason why if someone comes into the room and thinks, wow, this place is excellent. I think it actually comes down to staff culture. Yeah. And two years into Miles City, I, we worked really hard and we created our five key virtues to implement not only in our staff, but with our, within our volunteers, which we call our crew and we celebrate them. Like one of our key uh, virtues is audacious care, bold care for one another. And within that phrasing, it talks about, you know, like personal health and the health of your staff or the health of your key leaders, your elders, whatever the structure of your of your church is, if that is healthy, then no matter what you're doing in your program or your style, it will come off as excellent because it comes off as genuine. And that's Absolutely. what we want today. Yeah. And healthy, healthy is a great word for that because so many churches and staff are not healthy and there's not a healthy uh, culture there. And that's, I think it really, really matters. Hey, Travis, we're about up with our time, but I'd love to have you back on again and we can talk a little more about that culture, that staff culture and some of the DNA and some of the processes that you use or, or systems you want to say uh, use in your church. Love for our guys to hear that because many of our churches, they just, well, we come and do church on Sunday morning and they don't think about anything else basically until next Sunday morning. And it's just, they miss the vision. They miss the process. They miss how to, to do it. So Travis, thank you, my friend. I, uh, I appreciate you and love you so much. And so glad that we get to partner together to punch holes in the darkness here in Michigan. Thank you, my friend. Well, my friends, it's been uh, another podcast here of punching holes in the darkness, where we try to give some inspiration, some information, and encouragement to our pastors here in Michigan and beyond and among our Baptist Zion as a whole. Thank you for joining with us. I pray that uh, you will be better encouraged to punch holes in the darkness together with us. God bless. Look forward to seeing you next time. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness. 
a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.